Welcome to the Only One Business Show with me, your host, James Nathan, chatting to some of the UK's leading business professionals, sharing tips, insights, and advice on how to create amazing customer experiences whilst building bigger, better, and more profitable businesses as a result. What can you do in your business today and in the years to come to truly delight your clients? What exceptional experiences can you give them to take away and cherish? How can you delight the most important person in the world? Satisfaction makes you one of many. Delighting clients makes you the only one. And you can't be just one. You have to be the only one. Hello and welcome to the Only One Business Show with me, your host, James Nathan. And in the studio today, which is actually my lounge for a different change, um, I have a fantastic guest for you. She ran her own very successful business in the financial sector as a financial advisor. And then in 1999, all that changed when she was critically injured in the Paddington Rail Crash. Her injuries were so severe that she was not expected to pull through. But not only did she survive her injuries, she became the public face of the disaster known as the Lady in the Mask, championing the cause of rail safety. Her efforts have brought about landmark changes in the rail network regulations. Since then, she's gone on to become a highly acclaimed international public speaker and trainer, mainly helping organisations and commercial leaders develop from transactional leadership into transformational leadership, utilising strategies, tactics and tools drawn from her own remarkable experiences and ever-changing environment. Please welcome Pam Warren. Pam, hi, how are you? Hello, that was a bit of a mouthful. It, it was a hell of a mouthful, but it's you've got a background and a half, haven't you? I've done a lot in my time on this earth, yes. So how do you go from championing rail safety and becoming the, the face of that horrible experience to transactional changing transactional leaders into transformational leaders? Well, it took me a while to realise, but... Because of everything I was doing back then, campaigning, taking on the government, dealing with the rail industry, I learned a lot of unique skills. Um, and then when I coupled that with running my own business before the train crash, I suddenly realised, well, actually, there's a lot that I can offer to other people in terms of advice. And that's what I started off doing. Right. But then I also discovered that because of what had happened to me personally, I love change. Right, right. I got so used to it that now if my life gets too static I actually throw a little grenade into my life right. to then create some change because I love it so much because that's that's almost the polar opposite of most people most people don't like change they oh. like things as they are or they think they like them that way yes and I do understand that because that's the way I used to be right but now what I do is I go out and I show people and I train people in how to actually embrace change to see it as opportunity, not something to be feared. And once you've got rid of that fear of change or that idea that you don't want to encourage change into your life, boy, did the doors start opening up for you. Your whole world changes. And are you just... Because you, you, you were in financial services before. Yeah. And that was your world until it all fell apart or changed <laughs> massively. Particularly with... Yeah. Uh, my specialisation was pension schemes. Right. So you really can't get much boring, more boring. <laughs> <laughs> So you're working in an environment with people who like stability yeah. and they like concrete stuff. They know what's going to happen. Pensions are all about absolutes, aren't they? I used to get really excited over statistics and graphs. That used okay. to be me. 
believe it. Or not. Well, I've known you for years now, and I I find that very hard to believe. I remember you telling me, um, you know, when you were turning fifty, that you wanted to do a you were doing a circus act, or you wanted to jump oh, on a trape- yeah. trapeze or something. You're just crazy. my age away on air. Well, <laughs> I'm 50 in very, in very few months and uh, I'm going to embrace it as hard as I can. So. But yeah, yeah, I wanted to celebrate my 50th, didn't I, with the circus act and, yeah. and learn how to do the trapeze and um, stuff. Yeah, so I don't... When you mentioned really enjoying graphs and statistics, I think, well, who, who the hell was that person? Because it's not the one that I know. You probably wouldn't have liked it. Well, you said that to me before and I'm not sure that's true because we are, we are made of our background and our makeup, aren't we? We're who we... We become who we are as a result of who we were. Yeah, although, again, when I look back, I do wonder, um, was that old Pam, I call it pre-crash Pam, Yeah. was she the result of the conditioning that we get in this country? Was she the result of coming through the British education system, being churned out to work? And then particularly back then, Margaret Thatcher was Prime Minister. Right. Um, money was good and greed was good and if you could step on your grandmother to get to where you wanted to be then you did so yeah um, and unfortunately maybe she was a product of that because when I look back on the person I used to be I hardly recognize myself um, so actually the train crash actually became a liberating factor in my life particularly once I'd recovered and managed to put it into my past yeah um, and I've managed to hang on to that liberation so I don't see the world, the world of work, who I encounter, the same as I used to. Right, okay, because it's an interesting, interesting thing to talk around, because I've met quite a few people recently who've been in business a long time, who have started to look very carefully at what they're actually doing in business, and the kind of business they want to run, and the type of impact they want to have. Now, for some of those people, you know, having made a lot of money gives you a lot of options. For others, it's not about money, but it's about looking at the greater good or trying to do better for people. Um, You know, I look back at my life and think, you know, the guy I was when I was a recruitment consultant working in London in my mid-20s, a very different person to who I am now. Um, And do I like everything about that person? No, not at all. I think there was a lot of greed and, you know, if you had the right pen and the right car and all that sort of, well, call it crap these days because it doesn't matter. But also, when you're older and you've experienced more, things become more important. People and life and humanity, I think, becomes more important to you. It does. And also, I suppose, when we enter what I like to term as middle-aged, mm-hmm. not old age, um, then, yes, you're right, experience will change how you look back on yourself but mine happened in an instant I had no choice yes I didn't have all that time to grow I was shoved into my middle-aged almost overnight yeah um so if you like I'm almost viewing this using your analogy through the eyes of an 80 year old right so the world to me is very technicolor but my body is still energetic enough and efficient enough to still do things and get on with changing things yeah and people still listen to me um, unfortunately, I, I suppose when you get into your 80s and 90s physically, then people tend to not listen to you so much. So I'm going to enjoy this period of my life while I can still have an effect. Yeah. And hopefully transform not just other people's lives now, because I want everyone to be as excited about life and what's going on and how yeah. it's all changing around them now. 
Um, but also as I then get older and older and older, I'm hoping to change people's attitude to the wisdom that's locked up in our 80 year olds and our 90 year olds. And now obviously um, people are surviving into their hundreds. It's um, it's very interesting what you say about people you know, looking at you and, and the way they the way they um tra- well the way they engage with you depending on what age you are i always thought and for a long time i thought i better change my career quickly at some point because i'm talking to 20 year olds and i'll think who's this old bloke but actually what i've found is that's not the case that they really want to draw from your experience and they want to understand what you know um and um and i'd, I'd hope that would carry on a while but you're right there is a point where you're old and frail and people think your mind's old and frail and that's not in many cases, the, the, you know, the way it is. Um, but also so many people who, who look back and say, I wish I'd had conversations with my grandmother. I wish I'd spent time talking. Um, it'd be yeah, good if the they way, did it. <laughs> the way AI is going at the moment, you may be able to have conversations with your grandmother in the future. Uh, now, that would, be, uh, that would be quite incredible. That would be really incredible. When you, when you talk about making life different or helping people see the world differently or however you phrased it, um, it's not about the flowery side of life. When you look at people in business, it's very focused, isn't it? Yes, and it is focused on um, taking their blinkers away. Right. Realising that um, even in the world of business, you know, life can be technicolour. Because when you think about it, a lot of us work, I mean, it's supposed to be 40 hours a week. A lot of us work a lot more than that. Yeah. Some work weekends, some work nights. And it can get dreary and it can get drudgery. And if you have an employer that isn't caring for their staff Mm -hmm. in the right way, then um, again, you're going to lose the morale of your team that's around you. So it's really changing the concept of that, getting employers to realise that it's not all about the money anymore. It is about quality of life and people want a nice balance. And if you're too sick and ill because you're working too hard, to enjoy your time off, what is the point? Yeah. Um, which is why, again, I think there's been a spurt in cottage industries setting up where people are leaving okay. corporate life, mm-hmm. um, particularly people our age. And um, for the youngsters, I mean, they don't enter an employment and then think, oh, I'm going to be here for the next 20 years. They tend to enter employment and be looking around for the next one. Yeah, there's um there's a lot, a lot of talk around the the millennial and the generation X and Y and um and uh, we were talking before we started recording and neither of us were quite sure what X or Y or Z is actually Z- meant anymore. Q? Um, is it's there a generation Q? <laughs> I don't know. There probably is, but what I thought was fascinating. Some we were talking about millennials recently. Millennials are anybody born after 1980, right? Right. So millennials are about to turn 40. Now, in my mind, that's not a youngster so much. That's that's because I still think I'm 18 in my head, even though I'm I'm clearly not. Um, but I don't know if there is absolutely a step change in the way that people think about their careers and how they move around. That's obvious, and you know, certainly when I'm working with my recruitment clients, people move jobs. You know, it used to be that a shelf life of a job is about three years. Shelf life of a job is significantly less now, depending on what happens in the business. If you keep your good people and you move them internally, then they can stay there a lot longer. But businesses need to be aware of that. But it's not a new thing. I mean, if I look back at you know my own career when I was with with um, with Michael Page Group, um, I moved jobs every two years, and that wasn't because um, that was because the business was constantly progressing me, and I was always pushing. So I didn't need to look outside. I didn't think to look outside until the time came to leave. Um, 
A business is not doing that anymore. Are they just being like paying lip service to what people are looking for, or are they just not set up for it? Well, I wouldn't speak for all businesses, but because of having been a financial advisor in the past, I've fallen back into when I'm doing my training and my talks. It tends to be the financial services sector because I understand the worlds that they're still in habits and the terminology hasn't changed that much and the regulations just got worse rather than better. But right. So I've tended to go back into that arena and that still is very much... It reminds me of the 1980s, to be perfectly frank. People are still very much working in silos. They don't communicate with each okay. other. The employers are not quick to pick up on the fact that... Um, Yes, they should be bringing people through that want to within their teams and they should be getting them to develop and grow. Some don't even know how to get them to develop and grow apart from dangling a bonus in front of them, which is not the same thing at all. Yeah, well, they're 20 years behind, aren't they? Yes, they are. And that's why I say um, a lot of financial institutions, they also don't see the dangers because I've been talking to them about, um, you know, the new banks like Starling and... Also, the new technology that's coming through. I love all that information and stuff. Yeah. Um, and warning them that if they keep up with the way they're doing things now, they will become the di- the dinosaurs that everyone talks about. It's it's happening much faster in some sector in, in the financial service sector than, than people notice. I know. Um, you know, there's, there's the Revolut Bank that you the, a lot of people now use the card when they're overseas. Um, it's a Lithuanian business. Um, you know, and we just expect we, we use it because it's it's free and cheap and quick and easy, um, and very very uh, very clear in how it all works. But it's built on blockchain, which is quite interesting. Oh um, yeah. You know, and so when you start to get behind these technologies, all that is rolling through every aspect of what we do. Any transactional business is changing now, um, and so. And when, yet, if you speak to the older institutions, if you say blockchain at them, they go. Oh, mm, flash in the pan. And I'm thinking, no, it's not. It's not. Alan Sugar said that iPods wouldn't take off. You know, I'm sure he wishes he'd never had. But whenever I hear someone saying, oh, that's a flash in the pan, I think you're crazy. Technology's moving so, so fast. Some of it is really great. Um, You know, some of it makes our lives so much nicer. Some of the aspects of AI are brilliant. They make um, complaints online and things so quick and easy. But a lot of it muddles people. And it stops the, for, you know, in my mind, it stops the good service side of, of what goes on because it's, you know, it, it, there's too much emphasis on self-help rather than businesses making yeah. themselves available to you. I would agree. Um, there comes a stage even when somebody like me who enjoys the technology, you do want to speak to a human being. Yeah. And you want that human being to interact with you as a human being rather than just as a number or statistic or a customer or, you know, it, it, things do... We can have the danger of forgetting that we're all human beings yeah, and that we're all connected. And if we isolate ourselves too far into the technology, then the possibility is you wouldn't talk to another human being for a whole week, a whole month, a whole year. Yeah. Um, well, you'd become, you become heavily depressed, couldn't you, if you ended up in that sort of environment? Oh, gosh, I mean, you, yes. You just think about the... Prisoners that get locked in solitary confinement. I mean, it's not long before they've gone do lally. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 a fine balancing act, but I agree with you that information and the technology is moving so quickly, and AI should be embraced. 
um, because there are so many exciting things going on within it. Yeah, yeah. But it does need to be treated with caution. Do you know what I find really fascinating though? When you look at if we if we pull up look at AI and how that works and play with service a little bit along the side of that. A lot of businesses see it as a way of, you know, reducing cost, getting rid of human beings, making things simple. Actually, it puts friction in the way a lot of the time. If we talk about the big high-tech businesses or the big software businesses, certainly they don't do it that way. If you look at the way that Apple uses AI, or I've been building a website recently and needed some help with a theme um, that I've been using. And... There's a load of online help and there's a load of chat body stuff that you can use. But if you send them an email, a human being comes back with a solution. And I found that actually that's given me three different ways to transact, but I've got to use the real one. And when I want the human, the human's really helpful. Um, And a lot of businesses don't do it that way. The software houses get it and they're the guys writing the code. The other ones need to learn as well. Yes, Yes, and I had um, an incident recently where I asked for a brochure, a physical brochure. Right. And I said, oh, it's all online now. Now, I personally have this rule that an hour before I want to go to bed, which is the time when, if I'm going to investigate things, I might investigate it then. Um, I have a rule that I put my iPad, my computers, my phones away. I don't want that light before I want to go to sleep. It's quite nice to then pick up a brochure and flick through it. So I was thought, but they were, no, there was no printed brochure. I had to look online. So, of course, what then happened after that was it took me 10 days to actually bother to go online because I could not find the time during my working day or the time when I had, I would allow myself to use my online stuff um, to look at that particular website. So, you know... Did that slow down my buying process? Well, ultimately, yes, it did. Right. Isn't that interesting? Because so many businesses are doing that. I mean, even my business, I'm paperless. Um, Apart from the pad that I scratch on because I can't find a a way of writing on a screen that I actually like. Um, But we've got print on demand. Yeah. Why don't you have an app that we do have a print on demand app? So that if somebody like me, who's not doing it because of my age, I'm doing it because I just have this sleep hygiene that I go through. Um, If I ask, you should be able to go, yes, it's being printed and will be posted. The answer is yes, you should. (laughs) And um, that actually, that's quite nice because it brings us around to a conversation we were having um, about people working with people who are older than them um, and engaging with different generations. And there's a lot of chat, um, particularly in... A lot of my clients, when we're talking about how do they engage with the junior workforce, um, and I put a bit of a spanner in all the time because I think, okay, that's fine. We need to know how to engage with them, but they need to learn to engage with us because the people that they're transacting with, the people that they're building relationships with, the people in business who have the money and the purse strings um, and, and the decision making tend to be the generation older than them in lots of businesses. And so unless we're teaching them to work with us as well as us work with them, then there's a disconnect, isn't there? Yeah. So, what, so when you say there should be print on demand, I'm thinking, well, I'm, of course there should. And, and why the hell isn't there? Because it's so simple to have. But it's just like having you know, your chatbot, your, your phone number and everything else. So it gives people a, a way to get in touch with you, to communicate with you. Yeah. It should be that way around as well. And it? It, it's, yes, I mean, as a business, you could get away with not, 
doing something like print on demand simply because the the younger generation, the twenty somethings, they are so used to technology that it wouldn't occur to them to ask for a printed version. Yeah. Um, I mean, I always remember a friend's child of five who was given a physical book, um, but was just swiping the front. <laughs> Yeah, expecting I, it. I've heard a similar story like that. So yeah. I actually watched yeah. that, and I thought, well, okay, <laughs> they're obviously coming out of the womb like that. How old well does it make you feel though? It's like they don't even. Well, I, I once lent um, a record to my niece, who's oh, she's she's thirty now, but um, what, she wanted a record. Uh, yeah, she wanted to listen to Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, and so I lent her the album, and she brought it back and said it was really good, but she was disappointed it didn't have Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds on it. And she didn't know to turn it over. Oh no! Right, because she was used I'm to. I'm very de- impressed she had a She was used table. to. Well, her, her dad did. It was she was used to CDs, but now that it, now that CDs have disappeared, I mean, it's uh, it's a whole different whole different kettle of fish, isn't it? Oh gosh, yeah. I mean, it's like I'm I'm at the moment thinking about buying a new car. Right. And I have been test driving quite a few because I'm not the type that just plumps for one. I need to feel it and physically yeah, yeah. see again. I can view it online, yes, and I went through all the criteria and spec, but there came a point when I wanted to see it physically. Yes. I wanted to take it out and drive. Um, I'm a small female, um, and I did not want a car that was going to look ridiculous because it's so big. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, it's it's getting that idea of um, coping with the technology, because I got in this car to test drive it, and I was going, I said to the salesperson, Where's the CD player? Right. And he just looked at me as if I was nuts. And he said, there isn't one. You just Bluetooth your phone and then you run your music app through your car. And I was like, oh, right, great. So I knew, because, again, I would have naturally gone, where do I plug my USB in? Yeah. That would be my next step after CDs. But in a strange sort of way, I was a bit sad. Because I thought to myself, I do have quite a few CDs. I would like to play them in my car. But yeah. now I'm going to have to download them. We're just going to start getting nostalgic now for bits of plastic <laughs> that we used to like to handle. There was nothing nicer than standing at your record collection and having a look at what you wanted to play. Yeah. It's different now. Um, that, that sort of side of things is great. But when you're buying cars, because I have this... Um, I, I love I love the... Um, like a lot of people, I guess, I enjoy the, the, the finding out and the information gathering stage of a purchase like that. I drive Mandy completely crazy to the point where she says, well, you just go and buy the bloody thing now. Um, so when you go into a showroom to look at a car, you've already done all your research. Yeah. You've looked at the three or four different alternatives and different makers that you've got. You can spec them up online till your heart's content, till they look so, till they get so expensive there's no way you're going to buy it. <laughs> um, so when you walk into a showroom, their job is to show you the physical thing, not to talk to you about the technology. You should Most people will already know that, won't they? Yeah, you, you think so. Yeah. Um, however, I mean, I'm having a horrifying... I, it hasn't finished yet. Right. I'm having a horrifying experience um, because I narrowed it down to two cars two cars that i thought yep they're really comfortable i like them i can you know that i can see myself in for a few years and the salespeople have been atrocious right. now one is actually our age right the other ones and i say i'm sticking with the same car maker but i've had, now had to have three salespeople. They have all been in their twenties. These are prestige brands, aren't they? These aren't these aren't the you know your very cheap end of the market. You're looking at no. I mean, one was a Lexus and the other one was a Jaguar. Yeah, so they're they're expensive products. Yeah, 
Yeah, and as I pointed out to some of these salespeople when I was getting really hacked off with the service they were giving me, as I said, it's not like I'm buying a handbag here. Yeah. I'm spending thousands of pounds with you, so please treat me accordingly. I mean, to be honest, even at the cheap end of the market, nothing's cheap anymore. Cars, no. are, cars are expensive things. Exactly. Yeah. But I, I expect a certain level of service if, yeah. it, you know, if I'm buying at that rate. Unless, of course, we've got so many squillionaires out there that they're buying cars left, right and centre. And the UK car manufacturing business is not going down the hill at the moment. Well, I'll tell you what, we're told that it's falling off a cliff. Yeah. So they should be bending over backwards. Exactly. When someone walks through the showroom and says, I'd like to buy a car, please. They should be sitting there with the biggest grin on their face thinking, great, how can we serve this person? How can we help her? Yeah, whereas we, yeah. I'm getting the impression with all of them that it's how can we get this person to buy this car as quickly as possible with the least minimum effort. Right. And I have been made to feel, as a woman, and bearing in mind I'm a single woman, going, yes, I've done my research. Yeah. And yes, I have a friend who's far more of a car expert than me who will be coming to see the actual physical car eventually. Yeah. But as a woman walking in, they, they I can almost see the curtain descend where it's not that they want to rip you off, but they are not going to volunteer information. If you don't ask, you won't get. This, do you know, I, I can't even... I'm about to start swearing and ranting because for when, when you say as a woman, I think, bloody hell, really? Yeah. You know, when... when, when you know, I, I have a personal feeling that, well, my, my theory on, on sexual, um, the difference in gender in business will just disappear because the number of women coming through in jobs that they didn't do 40 years ago and all that will just, it's just become a muddle where it's actually just people. And I don't think it, people don't actually see difference the way that they used to. No, my I my mean, kids I, certainly I, don't. When, when I used to work in large offices and stuff, um, I never thought of people as male or female. It was weird. Yeah. But people almost became sexless. Yeah, because that's how it. Because that, that's actually in in the work in the jobs that they do and the roles that they play. That's right. That's how they are. Yeah. So when you're a woman walking into a car dealership, <gasps> it's like walking back into the 1960s. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. But when you think about it, and I hope that the men out there will not laugh at this. But I keep getting into new cars and then going, where do I put my handbag? Yeah. Uh, even the car manufacturers have not thought this one through because <laughs> th there is no way a woman's handbag is going to fit into the centre console. But you know what, though? When I was buying my car and they were trying to sell me keyless entry and I said, what do I do with the key when I get in the car? And they said, oh, you just leave it in your bag. I said, well, I don't carry a bag. So they've obviously thought of people carrying bags because yes, they only, only in passing that <laughs> oh. they know that women tend to be the ones that carry a handbag um but they have not thought about where do we put it we don't want to put it in the boot i don't want it on my front passenger seat because somebody might smash my window in and grab it um what would be really nice is say if a car manufacturer designed the driver's seat so that's got a compartment underneath so you flick up the seat put your handbag underneath and shut the seat well they, they sometimes do don't they but then if you've got all the electronics in the seat moving that well, about there's no room <laughs> anyway well i tell you what, the, the solution is really simple go for a car without electrical business and then you can slide <laughs> it under the seat so when 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 people are talking to when you go into these places and you look at the way they're 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 interacting with you and then you go back into financial services 
Is there a difference? So you see, are salespeople different in different environments? Yes, they are. Um, I believe so. And I haven't had... Well, I, I say I haven't had that much exposure to new progressing companies, but I have. Um, they're totally different again. Totally different, as in... Um, it's far more relaxing working with them. Right. With the financial institutions, it's hard work, but... In a strange sort of way, I've got this nostalgic love for that industry. So I want to keep banging my head against the wall yeah. to try and get through to them. With something like car salespeople, I'm just throwing my hands up in horror. Right. Partly because I don't have to deal with them all the time. Yeah. Um, but I have to say that when I eventually do make the decision to um, proceed with the purchase of this new car, I will not look back on the experience as a nice experience. It will be one that's been has made me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. I actually felt like I was an inconvenience for them, right? Which surely is complete. And to be honest, I'm now getting to the stage where I'm sat there going, "Do I really want to do this purchase?" Yeah. Um, Please excuse my dog who seems to be barking in the background. Hopefully, she'll stop that. I, I Coco, enough. So now we've got rid of the barking dog. <laughs> <laughs> which is uh, not unusual in my home, I must say. But dog. Yeah, she uh, she likes to make her presence felt. Pam, thinking about your experiences recently with with the cars and um and and, and that purchase, and then the the financial services businesses that you're working with, what's the one thing, the big golden nugget, the one thought that you'd like to leave people with to make their businesses better for today and better for the years to come? Um, well, definitely, first of all, put yourself in your customers position right um don't assume everyone's online i would actually if i was a, a company that was selling something physical like cars i would well even financial services thinking about it um i would put the managers out as a mystery shopper almost to mm -hmm. test what the customer experience is like yeah. and whether they get frustrated with it certainly send women in to buy a car right. in their own industry um and also, this is something that I've never understood, but I did it back in the 1980s. I reasoned to myself, what is the point of chasing new customers all the time? Mm -hmm. If you can look after your existing customers and keep them loyal and want to work with you, what, then you don't need so many new people filling your funnel. Yeah. I've never understood why people didn't get that. When I was, when I was selling pension schemes, I managed to get um, a client base that was so big and bringing me in such regular money, I did not need any more clients. Mm -hmm. So I shut the door and then I discovered because I shut the door, people thought I was exclusive. So was then banging on my door to try and become a client of mine. Yeah. So therefore my fees were going up, etc. It made sense. Um, whereas these days, customer service across everything I've come across, including satellite TVs and all sorts, they will treat new customers and say, oh, here's a carrot, yeah. come and join us. Existing customers, I find I'm always phoning up every single year saying, I'm thinking of leaving you. And then they go, oh, well, um, okay, we'll match here's that a price. Deal. Here's yeah. a deal. Or, you know, and the price comes tumbling down. That to me is not a good customer experience. Mm. They should be thinking about how they are looking after their existing customers. 
and looking after them well. It's a very interesting point, because people will pay more for quality service. If things, if it's easy and better, they will pay a little bit more for that, and they don't mind doing it. And, no. uh, yeah. and also, I mean, again, the, the, what they're, they're counting on numbers. They are thinking that there'll be enough people with inertia that won't phone up. Now, I'm one of those annoying people. Because of my financial background, I do phone up every single year. Yeah. Um, but it, it's just irritating all the time because I'm negotiating, they drop the price. Then the following year, I negotiate, they drop the price. And I'm sort of sat there going, will you please stop this? Yeah. Can you have, have you not flagged my record that says this is a person that negotiates will offer her a much better rate. If it, if it will stop her phoning up, <laughs> when you ring, they say, oh, Pam, hi, look, yes, you don't need to phone us anymore because we've cottoned on to the fact that you're about, you know, you know how it works. Here's the right price and let's get on with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Fantastic, Pam, that's great. That's given us lots to think about. Thanks so much for your time. I know how busy you are. Good luck with your with your car purchase i hope you, you get whatever you want so, that's a pleasure although my first course may be to run down a car salesperson oh dear <laughs> sorry that was a joke joke thanks a lot pam hi i hope you really enjoyed this episode of the only one business show and i look forward to sharing your company again very soon if you'd like to subscribe please do so wherever you pick up your podcasts and in the meantime have a great day bye for now